But look, I've got a couple of wallets, but Nick, I heard you have a bit of a collection. I think yeah, Doug I does like as well, a, but Nick. It's like a whole container of them. So. I obviously don't have enough. A container of wallets. Can we just appreciate mention, that? First time I saw Whit Hayden, he did a watch-in wallet with a signed card. At Cellini's close-up convention, he performed that effect. He did signed card and watch in an envelope. They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. Oh, oh, me slime stuck. That's not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> all right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Magic Guys. We are here. We are strong. We are strong, as we used to say in the very early episodes of The Magic Guys. And uh, I've got my little smiley goo face, but not just a smiley goo face. Uh, to my left, I have Nick K. Me slime stuck. Yes. And down below, we got... Doug Khan. What's up, y'all? Salutations. Yes. And I'm Josh Nombito, your friendly neighborhood magician. Welcome to the show. There we go. Get the hype going for this thing. Now it's an episode. Doug, we're matching. How cool is that? I don't know, I don't know I how cool it is. I'm thinking well, not. That's, thinking not that's true. That's true. Nick, how are you doing on this fine morning in Australia? Just another day living the dream, hanging out with some of my bestest buds and hanging out with some other cool magicians who have questions and fun things to talk about. Yeah. What's up, Tim? Thanks for coming on. John, Magic with Foe, thank you. And Doug, how are you doing on this fine evening? Had a busy day. I saw my grandchildren this morning. Ooh. We had some magic lessons. Six-year-old magician doing the linking rings this morning. How many grandkids do you have, Doug? 26, but I only claim four of them. <laughs> that sounds like a convention right there. The cons are a rare breed of human that breed in litters. <laughs> well, apparently they're not that rare. There's 26 of them. <laughs> I had a busy day. The daughter goes, hey, Dad, can you watch the kids? I said, sure, why not? Because I don't have enough going on in my world. Still managed to shoot a short. I did some editing and posted a thing and, you know, did my thing. Still prepping Doug. for the SAM, and that's this week. Oh, I didn't, we didn't talk about it pre-show. I won't be here next week. So y'all are without me on next Monday. I will be a professional uh, presenter at the National Conference. Sorry, I think my sound effect cut you off. It's all good. Where, where are you going to be, Doug? Well, it's in New Orleans at the... Uh, they're, they're holding it at the Harris Hotel, and Monday is my day to present a lecture, and pretty much after that, I'm just going hit to the, hit to the bar and just get lit, so I won't be available. Tell the listeners, what are you going to be covering in your lecture? We will be talking about street performing and social media, kind of the two mm -hmm. things that I've done in my life, and kind of how they work well together, like how the skill sets of one work for the other, and really how both of those skill sets work great for magic in general. And then I hope to have a, a intelligent discussion about <clears throat> educating the youth of magic and, uh, you know, as time goes on. So that's my plan. That's really good. You're slowly but surely taking over the world of magic. One lecture at a time this it's summer. A, I've been that. busy. I've been a busy lecturer this year. I yeah man that's that's crazy. What what's your content put out like at the moment? Like 
every um, other day, know, every day. You know what I'm trying to do right now is just have fun. You know, I feel like I feel like I worked really hard for a long time doing it professionally, and I'm mm. kind of now at a point where, you know, because we are back to live and I'm doing more magic events, I'm able to focus on that and not be so much of a video producer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so when I do it, I try to just be excited about the content, do something I'm happy about, and. Well, what what fills your cup the most though? I mean, like making videos and content is super fun. Um, what I enjoy most about it is like the magic challenges folks send to me, which I have a whole list that I need to catch up on admittedly. Like that fills my cup. So what, it's more so about like being the creative, but like what fills your cup up more? Seeing people in the live realm or just being able to like capture yourself and put it on well, you know i like the learning process so much like that's always been my favorite part is delving into the work and appreciating all the nooks and crannies that go into a cool piece and 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 the short forms provide an outlet to present some of the material that i you know i'm working on so uh, you know yeah. what i like about what you just said you know when people even perform a trick and people just go oh it's just sleight of hand or it's, or it's just this, or it's just that. And I'm like going, I, I like to just be like, bro, look at KFC. Is it just salt? Is it just pepper? There are 11 secret herbs and spices, you prick. And that's what I am. I am KFC. There is so much going on. You don't freaking see. And you're trying to downplay my genius by saying I'm just salt. How very dare you. I know this one guy, he was like, oh, it's all mass hypnosis, isn't it? <clears throat> they just mass hypnose the audience to make them believe the illusions they're doing. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> that was in a movie, wasn't it? What movie was that in? Well, the Burt Wonderstone. Wonderstone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, well, they, you know, they drugged them all is what they did. That's, that's what you know what would be amazing that was great. in that moment if you said to him, like you wave your hand over his face and went, stop being a dick. That would be the best. <laughs> And then he was a gentleman for the rest of his days. That's right. Yeah, John's saying I might have to test that on Bob. All right. <clears throat> Give it a go. But, yeah, people always come up with just funny explanations. Uh, oh, it's all just like fake uh, props, isn't it? Or, yeah, it's all just being really fast with your hands. Like, come on. That's exactly right, you know? That's that's, that's the answer. One. I'm just really quick with my hands. I, I think it's probably like the worst compliment you can get. Oh, his hands are so fast. I don't yeah. really think. <clears throat> Let me play not- devil's advocate to that. If you present yourself as a sleight of hand guy and not a yeah. magic person, then mm. fast hands is what you do. So that's kind of what okay. I do. So yeah. don't take it as a negative. It's kind of a positive thing. Uh, you know, we are who we are. I'm a trickster. I'm not <clears throat> saying it's deep art, you know, but that's what yeah. I do. I do sleight of hand tricks for people and it's fast hand stuff and they laugh and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It borders magic, right? It's impossible and... But mm. I wouldn't say that I consider myself a magician exactly. I call myself that because it's easy to get myself booked that way. But yeah. when I had a business card, it said press the digitator on it. Oh, see, my business card says professional mind blower on it. And mm-hmm. what I love about that is it doesn't uh, box me into being like, you're just the card guy or mm-hmm. just the disc guy or the coin but, guy you know, like my I favorite am- line there from a professional point of view was that was that term is also a broad term beyond magician you know mm. like i'm so yeah. I'm not being pigeonholed into magician you're I'm a, yeah. I'm a specialist yes yes yeah so you, you, you're not restricted by anything as long as what you do blows the minds of your 
audience, yeah. then you've done your job. And I, I dig that a lot. That, be, um, that said, horrible marketing. No one knows what press the digitator is. I would not advocate this to anyone on their I business mean, card. I am not a role like, model for. <clears throat> it sounds cool. It no, it's a type of thing that like I just caught my 13 year old son press the digitating. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I mean, mine, I mean, I've talked about mine all the time. Mine just literally says illusionist because yeah. you know, the difference between an illusionist and a magician is about 60% more income a year. <laughs> oh, well, I'll put that. That's the wrong <laughs> rim shot. I'll just no, switch to be an illusionist. No, but the, well, the joke is people just have this higher perception of that word because magician, they can sometimes link to kids party, you know, rabbit in the hat. Whereas illusionist sounds like illusionist. And so I took that advice a long time ago. Now I don't care so much about it, but you know, it's still on my business cards. So there is an episode of the Simpsons where Homer hands out a business card and it says high school quarterback on it. And I would love present somebody with a business card that says that <laughs> it would be 50 kinds of funny oh boy okay, business card? Oh boy. sure high school quarterback <laughs> yeah hey we've got some uh some voicemails came in uh overnight and for those who are new to listening to these episodes um in the description of this podcast we have a speak pipe link so it's a voicemail link you click on it it's just one button boom you record it you can put your name or you can leave it anonymously and it sends it straight to us. And I've got some loaded up here. You guys are great. And we'd love to get more of these on here. So we we, we always pick a couple to play on the episode. And uh, this first one I want to play, I think it just uh, goes well with the conversation we're kind of having. So this one comes from Andy. And I'm going to click to play this. Andy Massey. Hello, Magic Guys. This is Andy. Uh, I live in Kansas City in the United States of America. I'm uh, trying to start the part-time magicianry gig. I've been doing uh, a lot of Ben Earl work, been part of the family for a while, and uh, I feel like I want to step out and, and do some part-time stuff, whether it be at a, a wedding or at a walk-around bar gig, some things like that. And I'm just wondering, some general tips for starting that um, I've got some basic branding stuff going and do you suggest just cold calling, going into places, um, I guess starting some small stuff. I already work full time, so I'm not wanting to have it take over my full time gig, but I just need some tips on some of the best practices for starting a part time gig. Thanks guys. Love the show. Yeah, Andy, what's up? Thank you for your message. It's a good question. And we're all sort of scratching our heads, in, uh, you know, but, and I kind of feel that there's a little question, begat questions is what I'm, what I'm sort of thinking now. It's like, to me, it sounds like he's ready for him. Doug, mm. I think like he's, I think like he's, he's hung out with friends. He's got the material down. He's performed it. He's confident enough to say that like, I'm ready for it, but how to get there is interesting. Um, I will speak from my experience to answer this question as quickly as possible. And what I did was I seeked, uh, locations where people were performing. And so what I did was there was a venue called the, um, the Brunswick green, and there was a show every Wednesday called the variety collective where they had five variety acts performing every single week. And, um, 
that was where I would go every Wednesday. It was like 10 bucks. And I would watch a show every single Wednesday just to educate myself on how people perform, hold themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And um, people, and then I befriended the people who were there and they were like, oh, you know, you perform as well. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm just trying to educate myself. My first performance as a magician was on that stage. And uh, as time went on, I ended up becoming one of the organizers of the Variety Collective and away I went. So I guess the one of the things that needs to happen is that the world needs to know you exist. And the world needs to know you exist as a magician. And then you will just slowly indoctrinate yourself into the scene. And it is very much a scene. We, we, can we all agree on that, fellas? Yeah, especially for corporate gigs, 100%. So you kind of fall into a scene. But I think that when you're starting at things like a bar, like where other performers meet, and you have the 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 it's not a courtesy of being able to show each other things and befriend people. And every now and again, what will happen is someone will say, Oh, uh, you know, I do hula hoops, but these guys need a magician. I know one, Nick, do you want to do this? Like Doug, you want to, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that sort of being part of the scene is a good start and time will lead you into it. And that's just how it worked for me. And that's not an immediate way of getting there, but it's a good way because it's a way of embedding yourself into the realm. So thoughts on you guys? Yeah. Doug. I mean, you know, I, I think I, the quick recipe just to get out there and be seen, like you said, you know, I, I think there's a couple ways to do that. Restaurants, street performing, or just like you said, go out and do some open mics, do some, uh, you know, maybe some burlesque or vaudeville shows where you do five minutes. And like you said, make, make some contacts. Get your name and get your name in the talent agent's hands, and uh, if you're good, you'll get work. You know that's that's about it. The way I see it. Yeah, and look, I I've um if for more detail on this, I have a playlist on YouTube for, called like Magician's Advice, and oh, one of the videos is dedicated to how to like kickstart that what you're talking about, Andy. How to start getting gigs and the places you can do that. Um, I was given the exact same advice Nick was, which was to get work, you have to be seen working. And um, I also have made a video that's not public, but I can definitely send it to you and anyone else who wants to DM me on my thoughts on approaching restaurant gigs because I've had a bunch coming up in the game and uh, there's a few very easy ways to approach it rather than just emailing 100 places and then never reading them. So th like the short yeah, answer is a waste of time. Totally. Emailing the, the anyone to do magic is a waste of time. 100%. The, the short answer for a restaurant is it's very simple. You go there with a friend during their downtime, you eat, you show magic to your friend, the waiter comes up, they see that happening, you coerce your way to showing them some magic because it's dead there at the time. You say, I'm a magician. You give them your card, that's your first in. And then you can email later going, hey, I loved eating at your restaurant. I did some magic on so-and-so's name, um, you know, I'd love to chat more about maybe doing a trial week or, you know, that's when, that's how the conversation really starts. So it's more time, but you get such a bigger hit rate than just emailing heaps of places, you know? And this and is then, where you book the shows, the restaurant. This is where yeah. you hand the cards out and get those bookings. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, there's a video, whole video playlist on this stuff, but the other thing is, to to the easy place you can start, Andy, because you mentioned you already have a full-time job, so you're not having to rely on making money straight away, is 
hit up the charities that are in your area because they all will have a very nice gala ball at least once a year. And they're always looking for entertainment that are willing to donate their time. And if you reach out to them, and I've seen your Instagram, you know, you're a good looking guy, full set of hair, very jealous. <laughs> and uh, if you approach them, you get into these events, you can do magic and their photographers will take photos of you, which they'll let you keep. And now you can start building a bit of a portfolio to show on a website that you actually are a magician. That's how you get the whole thing moving, you know, um, plus what Nick said, plus what Doug said. And uh, if you're a part of the family, the Ben L family, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's tons of advice in there as well. I'd be crazy. You know, you're in the right company is what I'm saying. You're doing all the right stuff. Now you just got to take a bit of action, not be, not be worried to get a no from asking someone because that's just part of getting closer to a yes. I think we can agree. Agreed. But great question, man. Thanks for sending it in. Yeah. So next one is from Noah and it's similar. It's kind of similar to, to what Andy asked, but um, nonetheless, thank you for sending in your message, Noah. And this is Noah the Magician. Hey guys, it's Noah Cheney from Australia. My question is, can you tell me how you became professional magicians? And I also want to tell you that I love all your content. Thank you. Ah, what a good guy. What a good uh, guy. Doesn't that make your day? Um, <laughs> like how did you fall into the realm of magic? Um, right out of high school, I auditioned at an amusement park, a local amusement park in Cincinnati, Ohio. They did not hire me. But a month into summer, their sister park needed a magician, and I flew off to Charlotte, North Carolina to be the atmosphere magician at Carowinds Amusement Park when I was 18 years old. And the rest and is history. The rest is, you know, I very much had my sights set on street performing, but prior to that, I hadn't dipped my toe in the pond, and I didn't have a sense of it. You know, I'd never seen anyone do it, and I'd been to a lecture, to seen Cellini lecture on the subject. But getting that, uh, again, that experience of doing five on the weekend, six or seven sets a day mm. in that amusement park for a whole summer, I came out of there with a show. And uh, right after that, I met Tom Frank and I was on, uh, uh, you know, by the end of next year, I was on the road as a street performer, you know, in Great. Chicago, in Chicago, uh, Illinois. The rest and Doug, you, you weren't in a band for 10 years as well before becoming a oh, magician? I was. Between the ages of 8 <laughs> and 12, I told you I played the banjo, and I also did a little harmonica. Do you still uh, play? It was a neighborhood trio. <laughs> was that with Steve Martin? Were you in the same band? Steve Martin's son. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Josh, so, how'd you get into it? Uh, look, prison. No, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Everyone, we always have like joint. our, we always have our go-to lines, right? Well, I'll stick people, with this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I was, you know, doing it as a hobby, very interested in it. Um, but then I met, I met Petey Magic, who we've had on the podcast before. He was hired for my 21st birthday and I saw him do walk around and uh, I showed him some stuff and he realized the stuff I was showing him was like actual sleight of hand. He's like, oh shit. All right. Let me intro you to the other guys that do magic. And you know, we had this weekly hangout that kind of got the ball rolling, but there was a two year period from when I did my first paid gig to when I was a actually able to leave my day job. Like um, it's definitely not a case of like, oh, I'm good at magic. Boom. I can now 
make all this cash. Like it took two years to be able to slowly go from a full-time job to four days a week, to three days a week, to two days a week, just to see you. Um, and so, yeah, I had a sales job, I had different sales jobs in between all of that, always trying to incorporate magic, you know, in the meetings to a magician. Yeah. I, you know, being oh. able to, you know, be in the public, connecting with people, learning how to have a sense of that, you know. 100%. And I'm I'm sure I've told this story before, at least I do in my keynote. The last, so I'll say it quickly, the last sales job I had was for Fuji Xerox, where they sell their big industrial printers. I was like a sales rep. And my job was to go door to door to businesses and give them a brochure on like our printers because everyone has to have a printer. It's not a very sexy topic and they usually want to get rid of you really quick because, you you know, a salesperson walking in to sell them something. So I used the Card Now app where you can produce a business card, like you can print a card on your phone and then pull it out into real life. And I would do that to every single business and I would give them the brochure and say, and I would say, oh, did I put my business card on there? And they'd say, no, but it doesn't matter. And I would say, no, don't worry. Being a sales rep, I get access to all the new technology that comes out. So let me print you one. And I would print it and they would watch. And it was like the craziest shit ever because um, basically, you know, you're breaking their autopilot and like what they're used to happening in real life. So all these uh, all these receptionists would go th- like 80% would freak out at the magic. 10% thought it was a real like invention <laughs> that was out. And then there was a small percentage that just had no souls. But for the 80%, they would react like, holy crap, that's amazing. And every now and then, this would happen. What sales rep can do this? They would go, oh my God, that's amazing. Can I go and get my boss? And can you give him a business card too? Can you show him that as well? And it was like, it was like I'd found gold. Anyway, so I would, I would, I spent the whole day basically doing card now like a hundred times. And I was in the happiest state I could be for a sales job. And that sales place wanted to give me a promotion, but like a full-time wage promotion, but they were like, but you can't take off days to go do this magic stuff anymore. And I was like, well, see ya. And then two weeks later, I was in Auckland helping run the merch for the illusionists. And I was like the happiest I'd ever been. And that was, that's that story. My deal is quite simple. It's uh, the long, the, for the sake of time, here's how it came about. I quit smoking. I quit smoking and I started carrying a pack of playing cards and my cigarettes used to go in my breast pocket. Whenever Ooh. I felt like a cigarette, I'd reach for my pocket. There would be my playing cards and I would tinker. And so that's how it all started. And then I would tinker and tinker. And then I just fell in love with it more and more. And then I got books and I got DVDs. And in the space of one year, I did my first performance, uh, won my first competition, got my first agent and just progressively exactly the same as josh started doing gigs more and more i uh left yes sir you said and then you got books what came first oh first book uh no before that you were tinkering before the books was it uh cardistry was it all cards it was all cards you know i was learning from youtube actually um the the we, we, we spoke about this briefly, um, you know, a couple of episodes ago and um, we, with Jeremy, right? So we we're having a chin wag and um, I, I sort of feel that like learning from YouTube is important. Um, it's just that who should be teaching is sort of what was my topic. And the reason I say that is that I learned from an English magician called Andy Field. 
I don't even know if he's still practicing. I've not looked at his content for a very long time now, but it gave me just this very minor building blocks to inspire me to learn more and do more. And then, you know, I found that there was magic clubs and they had libraries and away we went from there. And, you know, my first and favorite book um, was um, Maximum Entertainment by um, Ken Weber. Man, right? that's a great book. And that book has been my Bible. And yeah. it's, a book, it's a book in which you don't learn a single trick. There is no tricks to be learned in there. But what you do learn is how to present yourself, how to stand, how to speak, how to all the things that the magicians don't think about. Mm. Because, because the key mm. thing about magic is that magic is such a strong form of entertainment that it will carry the weakest performer which is why it can make a seven-year-old look like some sort of deity, some sort of like godlike, oh my God, he waved his hand, the coin went. What a genius. And it's like, yeah, magic's dope, but that kid's seven, you know? Like that's how magic can actually carry you. And that seven-year-old doesn't even know how to like shake a hand or be polite or be patient, you know? <clears throat> um, Britain's got talent. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no, no joke. When I sold books at conjure.com, I sold two of them. The cost of shipping is prohibitive for a small business to carry these things these days. But the two books I carried were the Mark Wilson course in magic for the beginner and maximum entertainment for the professional. Yeah. You know, yeah. those are the two important ones, everything else in between. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Nowadays I can't afford to ship them. I can't afford to have them shipped here and shipped out and vanishing ink shipping's free. I'll go buy your books from vanishing ink. Yeah. Boy, don't watch, don't, don't watch their zoom streams. Oh my God. Who saw that fiasco? <laughs> Okay, Maybe we'll I don't know, talk I don't, about that later. I don't know this story. Oh man, that should be a new segment: Zoom stories. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, yeah, I just well, I've just thought of a of a gig story about Ken Weber I can tell you guys about. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before, but um, yeah, I'll definitely share that in the gig story time. This would be fun. Yeah, dope. Just quickly as well, I know everyone's wondering. I just thought I'd bring up David's comment. Um, what's Jason's status with the Magic Guys podcast? He hasn't been on in a long while. Jason is dead. All right. So just wanted to clear that up quickly. <laughs> is that what happened? And so, no. <laughs> so look, everyone knows how busy Jason is. He's so busy. He couldn't even complete his 365. Uh, I, th I feel like he thinks he's going to start it for a fourth time again, which is just insane. He might actually, his, his uh, competition might be, how many can I start the 365 365 times, you know, <laughs> but um, that's just the inside joke. Yes. But look, yeah, he's, he's super busy. So he kept like not being able to make it on the podcast. He's also, you know, a true um, busker at heart where he's just like so loose for timing. So he'd always forget like what time to be on because he's so busy. So we came to the conclusion, hey, let's just bring you off the pod for now. You can come on whenever you want. And then. In the last two weeks, it was Jason's um, request to take him off the logoing and stuff because he because he's not on very often. He doesn't want um, people to think every single time, "Oh, you were meant to be on here, but you weren't." So when we had a few guests come on, you know, they might have thought that he would be on there as well. He just didn't want to like confuse anyone. And now I know he's about to go to the Edinburgh Fringe, so it just like it just makes sense. So he's always welcome here, but he's not, um, you know, officially on the the graphics. But you know. We all know he's a magic guy. You know, he's on the shirt. He's on the – he drew the original magic guy's sign, which is behind me. And um, 
That's that story. So just keep spamming him to get his ass back on here. But <laughs> that's the story. It's not yeah. like a, a cool, sexy Mission Impossible story. It's just that he's busy and Jason Ma and those two make it very difficult to be able to stay on a schedule. Yep. Yeah. I think that pretty much sums it up, right? <laughs> yeah. And look, in yep. truth, we all, we all miss him immensely. He's been so integral to the growth and and joy that, you know, the magic guys have been bringing him. So like, yeah, I think that we should give him uh sweat him just a little bit, give him a squeeze to come back and at the very least pay us a visit because I think that the listeners and the viewers do miss him. So we'll, we'll give him a little pressure. You guys give him a little pressure. We'll try getting back for a visit. What do you say guys? That's it. And with that said, let's do this segment. So gig stories are little moments in magic or in the middle of performing in which we tell little stories that we want to share with you guys, our audience for posterity. Starting this week with, I want to hear a Doug story. Doug? All right. So it's uh, it's the mid-90s. I'm living in the French Quarter, right outside the French Quarter in New Orleans. Point being, I could walk to most of my gigs within 15 or 20 minutes, you know, kind of convenient. So I'm walking to this gig with impending weather. Make a long story short, within the 15 minutes it took me to walk to this hotel, I was waist deep in water. Imagine walking in a full suit with the pockets full of your walk around material and you arrive wet from the waist down. And almost an hour late because I had to walk through waist deep water to get there. To make a long story short, I get there to find the gig producer to go, oh, Doug, glad to see you made it. He handed me a check, and I worked wet for two hours, and that's my gig story. Wow, you still did the gig. (laughs) Look, in the the mid-'90s, with three kids, I did every gig I could get. (laughs) I didn't want to not do the gig. Let me tell you what I love about this story. I'm first generation born in this country, right? And my folks are from Greece. And if you have ethnic parents like I do, they tell you these stories like, when I used to work to school, I have to walk through nine miles of snow. And (laughs) it's gotten better, but it's notorious for flooding. This this city is under sea level. It's like six feet under sea level. It's uh, whoever settled this town were idiots, but the French quarter is okay. But outside of the French quarter, it floods all the time. And it was amazing how fast it could flood. <laughs> Yikes. There. Hey, a gig's a gig. That's <laughs> not the check. And we only had to really perform two hours because I was wading through water for the first, you know, first part. Kudos to you, man. Like, that's great. Like, I've had I've had stories of magicians I've hired hired through my business where they've gone oh I couldn't find parking so I went home, and then there's Doug Khan who's like what's that a flood? Thank goodness I packed a snorkel and <laughs> did yeah, the man, gig. Oh, right now. You know I need the check. I need the gig. I'm gonna do the gig. That's that's got to be the. At the end of the year, we should do like what is the number one gig story? That's my vote right there. I'm writing this down. Let me tell you, it was a day. It was a day. And I was pruny when I got home. <laughs> Damn. Were your cards dead? Like 
Did you have to I use coins? Dry from the top up, but because I was wet on the bottom, it restricted so much material. You know, like uh, hard to wallet, sponge balls, anything that goes in the pants pocket was not happening. You know? Oh my god, you got! A, I got a name for your new lecture. It's called "Magic Above the Nipples," and it's about all the magic that you could do being dry from here up. <laughs> Man, oh, baby, that's wild. Okay, I have a story. Let's hear so your story. So my story is a nice little magic moment. So um, when one time, I can't remember when, which which year it was, but I had visited um, Magic Live. And Ken Weber, who we were talking about a moment ago, who wrote the amazing book, Maximum Entertainment. And there's a sequel to that, which I think is Maximum Entertainment. Something. It's 2.0. There's some updated oh. material in the book. Same book. There you Same go. Book. Yeah. So, like, again, I, I, I love this guy. And he lectured. Um, and what I really enjoyed about this was that um, – he got on stage. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Doug's holding it up right now for the Ooh. guys who are watching. Now, Ken Weber, love him a bit. He performed a piece at Magic Live, and um, and he was ex explaining how like people need to say stop saying things like, um, "Can you do me a favor?" You know, things like that. Can you do me a favor? And I I never say it myself because I've always said when people say, "Can you do me a favor?" I go, "Yeah," but then you got to do me a favor because that's how favors work. Like. Like I just say, like what I need you to do, but it was great. And he and he basically just tore shreds. Like he was so passionate about it, just being like, "Don't say rubber rad stupid." And then Ian Rowland gets on immediately after Ian Rowland, the amazing cold reader, right? And what's the first thing he says to his spectator? Can you do me a favor? And the whole audience just lost it. And <laughs> Nobody knew why. No one like no one knew like, ha ha, why is everyone laughing? Because he hadn't seen what um, Ken was talking about. But what I loved about this the most is that once I was done in Vegas, I flew over to New York. I flew over to New York because I wanted to see some shows. And I was catching up with my good friend, uh, Silly Billy, um, David Kay, or as I call him, Uncle mm -hmm. Dave. And so, because he was performing here in Melbourne, doing his shows as part of the Melbourne Magic Festival. And he's a foodie. He loves to eat like me. So I took him to all my favorite restaurants, make sure he had a good time. And he wanted to pay back the same courtesy when I visited in New York. And he took me to this beautiful little cannoli place around the corner from his place, somewhere in fancy, rich New York part of town. And so we go to this little restaurant and I'm looking at all these cannolis. And I get a tap on the shoulder from Dave and he says, oh, hey, I want you to meet a friend of mine. And I'm like, sure, who is it? And I turn around. And he's like, this is my friend, Ken Weber. And I was like, oh, damn. And so I had a cannoli with him and um, it was awesome. And he said to me, oh, excuse me. He said, you know, and that's when I said to him, I was like, Ken, like your book is my Bible. I love it. And he said to me, oh, great. Sit down. I'm writing another one. And he was telling me that he was writing the very book that you're holding there, Doug. So it was a really nice exchange. And when I spoke to him, and we'll have just a really nice talk back and forth. And what I love is this moment he goes to me like, man, you've really read my book, haven't you? He said to me. And I was like, yes, I have. Like, I've really read your book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And now they're married. <laughs> <laughs> we have 36 children because like the cons, we breed in litters. Yeah. <laughs> that damn grease strength. So my story, look, I'll be honest, in the last week, I did not, I did not do a single gig. Uh, every now and then we'll have these off weeks, unlike That Nick, might be the first time I've ever heard you say that, ever. Yeah. Right, right, Probably right. Six or seven. 
I checked in with Nick and he's like, man, this is my only day off for this week and I got gigs the rest of the days. And I was like, that's awesome, bro. That's awesome. I got zero. So I still spent my days making content and uh, planning for this show coming up at the Echo, which you can talk about another time. And uh, so I'm still busy. But anyway, it, but I did remember something that happened the week before. And um, I was doing Cards Across, but but I've started adapt, adopting uh, – the way that I, I know it's not David Blaine's, but the way I saw David Blaine do it, because I'd seen another magician perform it like that. I feel like it's um, Paul Harris. Thank you, Paul Harris. <laughs> so Paul Harris's cards across beautiful, and uh, it's just you and the table and the spectators. Um, I rarely do it, but I enjoy doing it when I get to, like when there's a group that are like ready to sit and watch a bit more stuff. It's just fun. Anyway, the the moment that happened for me was so. Obviously, the premise is the deck of cards, you know, they put 10 cards under their hand and then you do this twice, but they pick a number, you put that many cards underneath their hand of cards magically without them seeing it, feeling it, knowing how it's done. And then you do it a second time. And normally to get the amounts chosen, chosen, I would have them pick a card and then the value of that card would be the numbers, right? So for me, it's like three cards and then I'll attempt to maybe get like seven cards under the hand but this time i was just so in the zone with these people we were vibing i i, I instead just went with the sort of mnemonicosis practice that i've been doing which is like prompting them without saying what you're doing to get the number you want so i just looked at this lady i'm like oh, just give me a small number and she goes three i'm like all right let's try that number you just asked for to go under his hand so the moment she says it the cards are already under his hands. And it was like a minor miracle. Great. Then this other guy comes up late to the group, doesn't know what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, just uh, give me a number up to 10. And he's like, I don't know, seven. I'm like, all right, that's what you want. Seven. All right, check this out. And without me doing anything, magic gesture, you know, bit of charisma. And then boom, now there's another seven cards under the hand. And they just like, it was just like the perfect moment because I didn't have to do any of this. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and you name a number. Oh yeah. Everyone would name a different number, but it's just like boom, hit and hit. And, um, it's the, I mean, the, it seems like it was crazy, uh, that they said those numbers. But when I listened back to what I said, I was like, I'll oh, name a small number. And then to the second person, I was like, neighbor number up to 10. And uh, so I've started doing that more now in that uh, to get those direct hits, you have to be pretty bold, but it hits more than you think. And it's just like, so cool. You walk out of there going like, they have no idea how lucky, you know, how, how much work has gone into this, that they, uh, you know, that's invisible. The moment's invisible, but uh, just thought I'd share that with you guys now that we're 38 minutes into the podcast, those people that did that for definitely aren't going to listen to this. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys do any Cards Acrossage in, in your game? I have three versions of Cards Across that I perform. Hmm. Yeah, well, three different types. Like sorry. Some in front of you, some. <laughs> I have one where um, I have one that I have in between two wine glasses where I have um, – I show three, I show ace, two, three, go, you think of one and four, five, six, you think of one. And then seven, eight, nine, 10, you think of one. And then I have 10 red ones here. And in the other glass, I have 10 uh, blue ones. And then I say, what are your cards? And they say, 
two, five, and eight. And I go, watch, bang. And the cards, I'm trying to get the cards to animate and jump. And then you go across and then you take those cards out from the left side. You go, there's seven cards there. And then in the other one, like in the blue one, for example, as you count, you'll find 13 cards, but three of them are red. And I can show them. So I really want to do a version of it where they can actually call the cards across. That's like one of my most favorite ways. That's the newest way that I've come up with with doing it. And um, what I'm trying to achieve it with it is to find a way that you can actually see a magic moment where you go watch and then the cards sort of jump in the glass. And I've um, had a lot of inconsistencies with turning up to do that. Let's just say I've been, I learned how to program Arduinos so I can mm. achieve things like this. Wow. Um, and I've got a whole new design because there's an audible, if you're going to use a reel and I don't want to use a reel. So I'm using this type of, gravity type idea of mine where there's, a, there's less movement from an Arduino doing this, but it, what happens is uh, it, uh, like there's a weight and the weight drops pulling a thread to get this um, this animation happening. And then that way there's just less movement because this is very quick. Like no one's going to hear that super quick. And then a thing falls pulling the thread as opposed to a real spinning abundance of time. So um, I did share it in my lecture um, in Sydney not too long ago. Um, it's coming together, but it's not there yet. And it breaks my heart and I keep hitting brick walls. But thankfully, I've got some engineering friends that I went to school with that are helping me with it. So I appreciate them. Mm. I feel like Cards Across could be its own episode because there's so many. Like the guys in the comments, Matt King, obviously his might be the most entertaining done on TV, of course. Then there's a really nice version. I don't think anyone knows about it unless you've seen the video, but Helder Gamiris does a really interesting version. Well, that's what inspired and, my version. Right, his version. Right, yeah. because of the colors, right? The colors, and, the clear visual indicator of having red yeah. and blue and the cards going across. Yeah, that's and they're signed, if I remember correctly. They're signed uh, in his version. So it's like he does it as a science experiment. You'll never find this on YouTube, by the way, ever, either. Yeah. It's only on his um, Red Mirror DVD at the very Isn't end in like here? the extras. Yeah. And um, so I did, so because I saw it and I had seen one magician friend of mine who's uh, a Korean, um, I th I'm pretty sure he's Korean, really great skilled magician. He did it for me once and it fooled the pants off me because there was nothing to see. And it really disturbed me. So when I found that little tidbit in Helder's DVD, I was like, oh, my God. So I, for one show, I performed it. Um, and then after that, I was like, this is not my effect. And it just, you know, I moved on. But, like, holy crap. So, like, for you guys, just think of this. You get the audience to take 10 blue cards, 10 red cards. Those cards can be shuffled by the audience. And then um, they go into two separate wine glasses. But one of the pack, three spectators take one card each and they're signed they go back in and then two audience members come up they hold a glass each and like you do nothing from that moment but the red cards that were signed here now travel and end up in here and now there's seven cards here 13 cards here with the red backs with the signatures and it's just like mm. it's almost too perfect you're just like what well, <laughs> well you mm -hmm. just did that there's no there's no secret. We know you just did that with real magic. So, yeah, he taught it in his lecture when I first saw it, like many, many years right. ago. Like I, think I was 23 or 24 at the time, and I was staggered by the 
thought process he had. And I remember because he actually was performing at the Magic Festival, Halda. And yeah. um, that was just not long before he he won FISM, which was a sign card on the <clears> glass type of thing. A really, really beautiful, beautiful presentation. But yeah. um, I remember him giving me some of the best advice I ever like that I needed to hear. And because I was only doing magic for a very short amount of time, I was performing other people's material. And what he said to me was, he goes, you are too good to be performing other people's material. He goes, you have a strong, mm. you have a good eye for strong material. And you put that in your show. But like you did Sam the Bellhop, you're good enough to do your own. <laughs> that's how that's how serious the uh, commentation was that Nick froze. You froze for a second there, but but I, I kept it going for you. It's all good. Thanks, Thanks man. <laughs> and Vipple saying it's not in the Red Mirror. It, I'm telling you it is. The performance is there, but you have to find it. It's not in the contents of the dvd it's like it's either in the extras or like in this secret section he has where you like you have to he like teaches a joker routine and then he performs that effect he doesn't teach it um but i guess if you're lucky enough to see the uh the lecture that nick was talking about <clears throat> he teaches it there right and yeah, so but, I, but is, that, is yeah. it public or what because like it's got to be somewhere right i guess so he, he didn't yeah he just kind of tipped the hat um but if you watch that performance there's and you're you know a skilled enough magician you can decipher what's going on um but yeah like i'd never seen him teach it i just found that and i was like okay, okay. let me re-engineer this let me perform it and now i can say i've you know that was fun to go through and learn like that process it's crazy mm. you know but look we're not here just to talk about cards across all day the title of this day is magicians and our wallets <laughs> and um, we have a, a voicemail from our boy Brennan Dooley to kick this off um, and a video to go with it. It's a little story. I did a gig with Brennan. He'll tell you about it. Um, let me play that now. Hey, hey, gentlemen. Hope this finds you well. Brendan Dooley here. Um, so Magicians and Wallets just reminded me of a story from a few years back of a gig Josh and I did together in Brisbane, this big corporate and – yeah, just that reminder. I know Nick has a great non-card wallet, but just that reminder of you don't need to just shove a card in a wallet or do a peek. Anyway, uh, Josh and I doing this big gig. Basically, we all went over time. We were having a blast. And basically, I'd just stolen this guy's watch. And Josh came over to give me the nod being like, hey, wrap it up. And I just give him the nod of like, hey, film this now. So wrap up the table, banger, 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 and had this guy's watch. And I was just like, I was using a large JOL wallet at the time. And we're loaded with an envelope, and I'm like, damn, I think I can get this in right now. And just last half of the night, I'm like, screw it, think I can do it. Shove it in, um, worked, and I was like, damn, all right, here you go, mate. Got a gift here inside my wallet, inside the zip compartment, sealed envelope. Boom, rip that sucker open, boom. The reaction was just priceless. So just some extra food to thought of what you guys can play with. But uh, I only ever can probably count on on hand the amount of times I do it, done it since as I don't steal a watch in close up often. But just some food to thought. Much love, guys. And to quickly go with that, I found the video that I filmed at Brennan Dooley. It's only like what? 25 seconds long. So we're at, so as he said, right, this gala ball, we're dressed as vampires. I, you can't fully tell in this video of Brennan. But he's like, holy crap. And I filmed him, and this is the this is the reaction of the spectator realizing that you'll see. Oh, you took it off my head. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. So at that moment, for those listening, 
it's, you know, there's a lot of sound going on, but basically Brennan's like, instead of doing a signed card to sealed envelope in a wallet, he's like, I think I can fit this guy's watch in there. And he yeah. did. And that's when you see the guy literally go to take it out and then he looks at his wrist and he's like, oh, and that's the moment that the epiphany happens. But look, I've got a couple of wallets, but Nick, I heard you have a bit of a collection. I think yeah, Doug I does as well, a, but Nick. I a whole <laughs> container of them. So. I obviously don't have enough. A container of wallets. Can I we just appreciate that? First time I saw Whit Hayden, he did a watch and wallet with the signed card. At Cellini's close-up convention, he performed that effect. He did signed card and watch in an envelope. Wow. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Back when he was Whit Hayden, not Pop. You know, you know what I'm very curious about as we talk about wallets is that um, I found that during conversation, like especially when we're talking to Nick Popa about like how to wrap up your show or how to close a show, you made mention that like like card to wallet like was a thing. Was there a time, Doug, where like the card to wallet was like the pinnacle and the ultimate way to like close a show or to end a set? Like, is that why it's sort of mentioned as much? You know, I guess. Uh, certainly the envelope variety has that kind of finale sense to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm. You know, I close a lot of my street shows with it just because it's convenient to reset the prop as opposed to doing something organic like a lemon or an orange or something like that. Mm. Yeah, well, for sure. Well, I'll talk about the wallet I use. I, I've probably mentioned it before, but. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Nick, show us. Uh, let me put you up on the screen. Show sure. us some of these, uh, just rapid fire some of these things you got rapid in here. Cause, uh, so the Malika wallet has been discontinued for a while, but this is a Malika wallet where you would use this to do a load of a wallet, uh, like a card inside of a wallet, like so. So that was an absolute banger, that one. Um, this is the anything to wallet wallet. Um, really different design because most of them have a slide for you to do things with, but this would have an opening like so. If you just squeeze, you could just throw stuff into it. And you also had the luxury of loading that inside uh, Bonsal envelopes as well. Um, and, and it's sealed. So it's it, the, the black art's going to sort of like wash that out. But you have the ability to load things into it in such a way that it seals the envelope as you take out the envelope and you can give it to them. So that's a really good bit of kit there. Um, most of these wallets that we're showing right now are like hip wallets. Is that what you call them? Not hip wallets. They're um like a suit wallet. Suit wallets, thank you. Yeah, um, this I have two of these. So this I have one in my kit, and then I have this one here. This is a, just a simple caps wallet, which is a kind of larger scale one. And I, the reason I use these is that these are large enough to have a mobile phone fit inside them. So I have nice. a, I have a routine through um, various sort of uh, integrations and gaffs that I've integrated into my suit. Um, in fact, that was my. Uh, that was my tailor texting me a moment ago because we're working on a new suit um, where you can vanish the phone and then you reach into your pocket and that phone is now inside of a caps wallet. So that's something that I, I've been doing for a long time. And then as far as my hip wallets, I got another container in the backpack, but I couldn't reach it um, in the carriage. But I have hip wallets for that type of thing. And um, so that's just like your normal basic wallet where, you know, you got several other things other than just having things go into it loaded in a magical way. You could do stuff where you can get a peek, where you can have somebody write something on a, on a business card. They put it in the card like so, so you show that it's locked. And in that moment, you can actually peek what they've written down. There's a lot, a lot of cool stuff you can do in that sense. Um, so that's my little collection. 
Um, yeah. Doug, you got yeah. some over, yeah. over the years, right? And you got so, your worker. Uh, this is my everyday carry now. This is the Speedloader Plus. This is Tony Ooh. Miller's design. And mm. that's what this wallet is, is my everyday carry that basically is the same thing as this, but it's a little bit different. This is what I use in my professional work to uh, introduce uh, money. If I'm working for tips, this would be probably a five or a 20, depending on yeah. where I'm working and what I'm doing. So uh, this is an interesting design too. It's no, it's no, yeah, no slide. slide. So yeah. this rests in my front pocket like this. You know, when I, when, pardon me, pardon the skin. When I'm ready to do the trick, <laughs> the setup's that. More skin, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so the notion of this wallet is when I present the magic appearance and the cash appears and I build the drama, now my audience is also seeing money in their face, which is going to cue them mm. what the, they should be giving me after I ask for money. Um, that design is this one, if you can find it. Tony Miller's Romance. Say, yeah. RFAproductions.com. Oh, okay. So that's the real man speed loader because I thought the real man's always had a slide to my knowledge. Yeah, it's the speed loader plus. That's the ah. plus is there's no slide. It's got, um, it's got pockets to hold the bill. So the bill remains open you can, so that the card gets fed oh. in between it. Yeah. In, in the Murphy's release, there's no window. It's just under this section. You pull the bill out. And oh, that's okay. satisfactory. It's uh, $50 cheaper, too, for that one. Dang. Hey, I want to talk about one more wallet. This this is Please. a great one. This is, uh, Brent Braun calls this the FPS coin wallet. So you put your coins in here, but more importantly, you also put your Sharpie markers inside it. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, carry, I carry my rubber bands in here, actually. So there's other things in here. Uh, but this is also a switch wallet for coins. It's got the secret compartments in the back that allows you to sneak, uh, produce things, but you can also switch coins. And while we're talking about wallets, I thought it'd be cool to talk about the FPS coin wallet. This yeah. gets my recommendation. It's so cool every time I see you use that. Yeah, it's an EDC. Or at least, you know, if I know I'm going to be doing magic somewhere, this thing's in my pocket. You know, it covers my Sharpie mm. production and rubber band magic for the night. So. Yeah, I love that. Oh, man, that's so good. All right, mine, mine's super quick. Look, when I'm at a gig, I'm rocking the uh, JOL wallet. It's not the large version that can yep. fit the uh, the sealed envelopes in. But then this one, I've used this so much. I, man, how many I love I that wallet. One? I used to have one. I lost it on a roller coaster, and I broke my heart the day I lost it. Uh, oh, that's so a great I, wallet. I've had this for so long now, but like this one is still in great condition. Like it's slowly wearing down a little bit, but I reckon at least eight years I've probably been using this wow. and it's still good. Do you load in the back pocket or in the breast pocket? So the load happens here. Yeah, it's brilliant. Right? So it doesn't it. need a slider. So yeah, yeah. So it's in my my uh, inside jacket pocket and it can mm -hmm. just load straight in every time. And you open it up and you take whatever you've just loaded out of the uh, out of the zip in here. And I have a second one ready to go. Like I have I've bought two, knowing that like I want to keep using this. So I have a second one that I just haven't had to use yet because this one's so good. Yeah. But look, this is just for gigs, right? Um, I'm not rocking a massive right. suit wallet at gigs. The other one I enjoyed playing with is Colin Cloud's alias wallet. Oh, and this huh. is not the wallet. This is the box. <laughs> but this wallet is 
purely designed for a drawing duplication. So it's kind of like a money clip styled looking wallet. And what would happen is they would draw something and then they would put it into one of the sleeves you would have. So if something's drawn here, they would put it in here. Um, you would have a bunch of other things kind of covering it. So, and there's nothing to be seen here or here, but there is a, maybe we'll talk about this off air, but there's a very cool way that you can peek in the, in the essence of them just pushing that in. You can give them that to hold and you now know what they drew um, and you can duplicate it. And it's a fun bit. Um, mm. The only reason I'm not using this more is because I'm yet trying, uh, like I'm still yet to find a way that gives an impact reaction that I feel is valid to carry this with doing a duplication in close-up magic. Like I don't yet get a big enough reaction to valid, like having this with me, if that makes sense. Like people think, oh, yeah. you you must have, like I must have accidentally, you know, you must have seen it when I was drawing it or something, which like they're kind of half right, but they're not right, you know? So I'm yeah. like, ah, okay, well, fair enough. And then the last wallet, this is the one I'm, playing around with for my everyday carry, which is uh, Patrick Kuhn's uh, Quiver Wallet. Oh, it's a this, great one. this is the fun one that I'm playing with right now. Yeah. And so nicely made. Um, and uh, with this one, oh, I've got a card in there already. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's got a side here for business cards. It's got a side here for like your license or, or a playing card or whatever you want to reveal. And I've got the rainbow card to go with this. If you know what that is, then you know what that is. And uh, so that's what I'm like, this is like what I'm playing with right now because it's so small um, that, uh, yeah. You can load a sign card in there? Or not? No, no, uh, probably not, no. But you can, you can, you can, this is the one that you can uh, have them take a photo of an empty wallet. And then after the routine, when they look back at the photo, Doug, they can have, in the photo, the card that you picked during the routine shows up, but it's not in the wallet. Okay. I, when you said quiver, I thought it was akin <clears throat> to the quiver. You know, gotcha, this- gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it is in the fact that uh, it works kind of like quiver, how you can show that it's empty and then you can have something appear, but you're not loading, you're not really loading a card in there. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, I feel like... Well- one of yeah. the things I like to do is like just to eliminate the slide is I have a notepad on my side. So just mm. so I keep a notepad there. So if I ever want to write something, I can like take the notepad out, write what I need to write. Wow. But having that as the slider, so that goes in my wallet when I take this That's out. Old school, old school Balducci. Yeah. Well, this is this is the caps wallet, this one, but this yeah. is like the method because the what I think I think what Balducci was doing was that like this was originally supposed to be a checkbook. That, right. that live here. And I was like, I I make jokes about checkbooks and everyone's like, what's that? And I'm like, crap, I'm showing my age. Yeah. So then I so I took the notepad. Um, yeah. And so whenever I'm doing stuff, like what I like to do is I keep a bunch of note um business cards here and I got little cribs, like for the mother of all book tests, so I can like get a like get a glance of like all the words that are supposed to be there, but yeah. then take one off the Ooh. back and then write my prediction on the back. So in the action of actually taking one out of of just got a crib so if i'm ever under pressure i don't forget the word that s is suggestion or whatever else then i could write my bit down and give it to them um yeah but it's just nice. really subtle to be able to just to have a moment like this where you like you you vanish the phone and, and you have this moment of like um inside i have my cards my tips 
and inside the zip compartment, I have your phone is a really fun way to do it. So it's not, you're not asking for a tip, but it's subtle just to say like your tips and you move on with it. Like, you know, it's nice. And, and, uh, thank you, Brendan. He credited the wallet. He said it's Kelvin Chow's quiver himbo wallet. Hold on. This is Kevin Chow's quiver. This is quiver, which is the first I was just holding. That is not what you had. No, this, but this, this is, is still this is still like brand this is still from the quiver family. But that is Patrick Kuhn's quiver wallet. Right. Yeah. But I, I believe it's in conjunction with Kelvin Chow's. Look, there's you Kelvin know Chow. just buy the wallet, everyone. Okay. Now look, we don't <laughs> want to forget this. Now um this these wallets kind of coincide with uh our magic review for today so we want to squeeze that in here um if you're ready to go nick ready to rock roll a tape So in the spirit of talking about wallets and everyday carry, you want to look at some magic things that you can actually put in your wallet and perform on the fly. Now, what we're looking at today is Overdraft by Paul Fowler. So you get a bunch of precision engineered gimmicks like so. And you can perform certain effects like taking this one, putting it away in your pocket, and with a simple shake, it'll change locations, et cetera, et cetera. So with these awesome made gimmicks, you can actually perform really amazing feats of very visual magic as well as mentalism. Now, I can really proudly say that I actually genuinely gave these to my magic mentor. And I said, hey, uh, I got something I want to show you. Check these out. And he just looked at me and was like, oh, yeah, cool. Credit cards. Next. And then I performed the trick. And he was like, oh, it's a magic trick. Like, he was so unaware. Like, they are so convincingly made that it just totally flew by him. And so... I think it's a really, really well-made gimmick. Now, what you get when you purchase this, in this beautifully packaged um, product, you have your gimmicks inside, which I'm obviously tinkering with right here, um, and your tutorials, etc. Now, as well as these beautiful prepaid gimmicks, in these tutorials, you learn a lot. You will learn how to make a banknote appear in between the two credit cards. You will learn how to make the two credit cards trade places in seemingly impossible conditions. You learn how to visually clone a credit card in front of your spectator. And one of my personal favorites that's taught in this project is that you actually learn how to manipulate the memory of your spectator. And you can prove you manipulated their mind by showing them a photograph that you took on their mobile phone prior. This routine is fire. You need to see it. Now, difficulty. As far as difficulty goes, using these gimmicks and performing with them, if you have very, very basic card skills and a really lovely spectator, you can basically perform every single routine that's taught on this project. Very simple. As far as pros and cons goes, the pros, these gimmicks are going to last you forever. They're really well made and they look like proper credit cards. Um, if I was going to say like they're not look too familiar, like all the banks look too familiar, not that anyone looks at them. I would probably present this in such a way that I would say, oh, it's like a travel credit card. And you can say things like, you know, if you were going to ring it in, you would say, like, you guys want to see one more trick? Yeah, I go, cool. I just got back from performing in London and uh, I have these prepaid credit cards. I want to show you something fun using these and you can lean into it. So I dig that. 
What's also great about this is that Paul Fowler, the creator of this trick overdraft, is a real world performer performing for proper paying audiences. And what that means is you can find confidence knowing that the routines he's sharing are tried and tested. So you know that what you're purchasing is going to work for you and has been tried and tested. He also shares really clever presentations that are really uh, also mentalism based. And you can write predictions like on the credit cards and things of that nature. It's really clever stuff. As far as mentalism goes, you get bonus routines from mentalist Louis Laval. And there are really good routines using those credit cards that like, if you're a creative like me, the world's a limit. And it literally blew my mind. So are there things built into the credit card printing? Is there like number effects or things of that nature? Yeah, great question. So um, the orange effect actually has a really big secret that I'm very happy. I'll, I'll share that. And the secret is, is that there is a, like a decipher code that's explained to you in the tutorial. And with that information, it basically gives you the information you need to know to achieve a magic square. Cool. And the information is right there. Um, there's also a QR code that's on the back of this, right? To make it sort of um, legitimate or make it seem legitimate. And when you scan that QR code, it'll actually show you, like it goes to like a website with a bank and says like, oh, here's your credit um, available on the card. So it's kind of cool because you can actually do a whole thing where if you were to force a few playing cards, for example, um, and then show that that's the exact amount of money I've left in my account and do a revelation. Nice. That's, oh, yeah. that's not, yeah. Well, that's not taught on the, on the tutorial. That's just a little something that I came up with creatively. Oh, right. but, um, you know, I like to share, I like to, I like to create. So that's a really good time. Now Ooh. there are lots of variations you can do with this trick, which is kind of going to lead me into the cons of the tutorials. Now the con is that the routining the way it's presented on this project can seem a little repetitive, but let me assure you it's not. And the reason I felt like it was repetitive is that when I watch these tutorials, I write notes as I'm watching it and I make notes and then I write my report and then I present it to the camera. But what was happening was it was like phase, like routine one had one phase and it was like the change and it happened. And then routine two was two phases with the kicker ending of phase one. And then routine three was three phases, but the kicker ending of phase one. So to me, it just seemed like it was being presented as a one trick pony. But I assure you guys, it is not. It is actually a really awesome trick and you're not gonna be upset with what you get. So don't be down vibing the product. It's not being presented that way. It's just showing how you can tie each phase together and grow upon it to make a multi-phase routine. So it might seem like a con, but don't take it that way is what I'm trying to say. Now, as far as cost goes for this product, Piper Magic have overdraft on special order for 89 Aussie dollars. And at first I thought to myself, is that expensive? And I had to think about it for a sec. And in truth, it's expensive if you're the type of person to buy something just to keep it in your drawer, honestly. But if you purchase this, keep it in your wallet and you use it as it's actually intended, you're going to make your, it's going to be worth every single penny you spend on it. And more importantly, this is going to last you. You can literally like, you will be putting, this will be in your will when you pass one day. Now, as far as who this trick is for, I had to scratch my head about this one for a short while because 
it's so versatile that I had to sort of think like, who could this work for? So if you were like a trade show magician and you perform for banks or FPOS facilities or credit card companies, this type of routine is going to slay them. It's going to absolutely blow their mind. So if you're a trade show folk, awesome. If you are someone who likes to perform casually and just have a little piece of magic in your pocket that's ready to rock, this will rock you, blow their mind as well. If you are someone who wants to present mentalism in such a way that you borrow a couple of objects and do some really cool stuff, this is going to be awesome as well. It's very much a secret weapon. And what I kind of like at the end of this is that money's kind of fading out slowly. Not immediately. I think cash will be around for a little while yet. But my point is there was a generation of magicians who were performing things with, you know, pocket handkerchiefs. And there's lots of stuff that you read in these old books going, oh, borrow a man's pocket handkerchief. That ain't a thing no more. And I think that it's going to get to a point where, oh, borrow a bill. And that's not going to exist anymore. So it's a type of thing where like this almost to me seems like it's ahead of its time. And it's probably a good idea to get on it. Because one of the weird things that happened was in the tutorial with Louis Laval, he was explaining that, oh, I went to do, I wanted to do the tutorial for this, but they got confiscated by customs. Because these are so convincing that they thought they were committing credit card fraud. That's how real these things look. So wow. to answer the question, who is this for? It's for anyone who needs it. If you need to do something with a credit card, do it. If you want to do something that seems impromptu with borrowed objects, you need this. And if you're going to get this, make sure that you get it from pipermagic.com.au and that you use discount code Piper fun. So you can get a discount on an already entirely awesome product. And that's my review, friends. Damn. And that's overdraft for those. Uh, I'm I'm literally on Piper's website right now ordering this because I just don't want to forget. And I know uh, it's the goods. So Yeah, it's a smart product. I like it. What did you guys yeah. think? Man, yeah, so it's so nice to see a product I don't hate. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the things you've been doing, I hate. I just hate all products in general lately. If it comes out, I just, I see it. I'm like, I hate it right out, right out of the gate. This one yeah. I don't hate. But it's really good. And the tutorials are so well shot and he's so well spoken. There is nothing muddying the waters. It's not like rushed. Like I said, he's a worker. This guy he's knows. Not, he knows what's up, man. Absolutely. We should reach out to him and see if he wants to come and visit us sometime. That'll be great. I might do that. We should. Look at that. I literally... Yeah. Uh, Great. My order's just gone through as we're talking. Look at that. Piper Magic, put in the code, boom. So, and if you guys want to watch, and like if you just want to watch that review, you need to find it again. In the description, Nick's made this as a review video by itself on his own channel, which we'll share on the social pipes. But look, I'm glad, that was a great way to end the episode because now I've just ordered a product. It's a, it's a good day when you got new magic coming. That's <laughs> um Look, there's so much to cover in such a little time. I'm glad we got through the episode. We've gone over time again because that's just how much fun we have. But um, look, let's give the final word, I think, to uh, to Doug. I think that's that's appropriate today. So, Doug, you're up. What's up, y'all? So I won't be here next week because uh, I'm going to go uh, follow my childhood dreams and present my art to my peers. What a privilege that'll be. And uh, as I get the chance to do so, I want to remind you that even in your mid-50s, 
you can live your dreams too. See y'all in a couple weeks. That's the last one. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys. 